Turn to the book of Genesis. I'm going to start our reading together. I'm going to read the first chapter and the first couple of verses of the second chapter that starts the story. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. God saw the light was good, and he separated the light from darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. And God said, let there be a vault between the waters to separate water from water. So God made the vault and separated the water under the vault from the water above it. And it was so God called the vault sky. And there was evening and there was morning the second day. And God said, let the water under the sky be gathered to one place and let dry ground appear. And it was so. God called the dry ground land and gathered waters he called seas. And God saw that it was good Then God said, let the land produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in it, according to the various kinds. And it was so. The land produced vegetation, plants bearing seed according to their kinds, and trees bearing fruit with seed in it according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. There was evening, and there was morning, the third day. And God said, let there be lights in the vault of the sky to separate day from night, And let them serve as signs to mark sacred times and days and years. Let them be lights in the vault of the sky to give light on the earth. And it was so. God made two great lights, the greater light to govern the day and the lesser light to govern the night. He also made the stars. God set them in the vault of the sky to give light on the earth, to govern the day and the night and to separate light from darkness. And God saw that it was good. There was evening and there was morning the fourth day. And God said, let the water teem with living creatures and let birds fly above the earth across the vault of the sky. So God created the great, sorry, God created the great creatures of the sea and every living thing with which the water teems and that moves about in it according to their kinds and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. God blessed them and said, be fruitful and increase in number and fill the water in the seas, and let birds increase on the earth. And there was evening, and there was morning, the fifth day. And God said, let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds, the livestock, the creatures that move along the ground, and the wild animals, each according to its kind. And it was so. God made the wild animals according to their kinds, the livestock according to their kinds, and all the creatures that move along the ground according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, 
Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. And then God said, I give you seed bearing, every seed bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it, they will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds in the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has the breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw all that he'd made, and it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Thus, the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he'd been doing, and so on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it, he rested from all the work of creating that he done. We pray that God will add his own blessing to the reading of his word. A very good morning to you all. It's great to be back with you on a Sunday morning to worship the living God with you. Let's continue to worship God by hearing his word from Genesis chapter 1. The first book of the Bible, and the first chapter of the Bible, and we'll begin with the very first verse of the Bible, Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1. Let us receive the very word of God. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Don't you just love the way that the Bible begins? There's no introduction, there's no proof. We're simply told God created everything. And the word God really sort of dominates, doesn't it? This very first chapter of the Bible. This word God appears 29 times just in one chapter, the very first chapter of the Bible, 29 times. So Genesis chapter 1 really is more about God than it is about the creation. I suppose we could say that Genesis chapter 1 is the most God-centered chapter in the Bible. Isn't that just so exciting? And if we really want to understand ourselves and the universe we live in, we must begin with God. If we want to understand ourselves and the universe we live in, we must start with God. And that's the position most people are in, isn't it? People are always asking, who am I? Where did I come from? Why am I here? What is the purpose of my life? And the answer is always found in God. So, who is God? What is he like? And what does he do? Who is God? What is he like? And what does he do? Well, the first thing we learn about God in Genesis chapter 1 is that he was there in the beginning. In the beginning, God. So, the first thing we learn about God is that he is eternal, He's always existed. 
What do we read in Psalm 90, verse 2? Before the mountains were born, or you brought forth the whole world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. God is eternal. Some people may ask, well, if God created everything, then who created God? Have you ever heard someone ask that question? A lot of people ask, who created God? Well, asking that question, who created God, is a bit like asking, where does the sun get its light and heat from? Or who keeps the sun alight and warm? Because the sun is the earth's source of light and heat, isn't it? And the sun doesn't need light and heat, does it? The sun gives out light and heat. And in the same way, God doesn't need to be created because God is the creator, isn't he? He gives life. God is eternal. He's everlasting. He always has been and he always will be. That's the first thing we learn about God. If we go back to Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God. Even that word God there is so profound and deep. Now, apparently, the Hebrew word for God in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, is Elohim. In the beginning, Elohim created the heavens and the earth. Now, in Hebrew, you've got nouns that are singular for one, nouns that are dual for two, obviously, and then nouns that are plural for three or more. And that noun, Elohim, is plural. So in the beginning, gods, or in the beginning, God, who is at least three persons, created the heavens and the earth. Isn't that just so exciting? So the fact that Elohim is plural tells us that God is at least three persons. And we know that God, the living eternal God, is three persons. And in Genesis chapter 1 verse 26, we're told in our English Bibles that God is more than one person. God is more than one person. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. What do we read there? Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So God is three persons working as one united family. What does godly mean? What do you think of when you think of someone who's godly? Well, I think I used to think of it as like a mystic quality, like a sort of, maybe a bit of a strange voice or a strange sort of handshake, or maybe like a glow in their face or something. But godliness isn't something mystic, is it? 
It isn't something mystic. Being godly is being like God, looking like God. And we, the church, are at their most godly and most like God when we are one, when we're united. That's the church, isn't it? We're more than one person, but we should be united, we should be one. So the church looks most like God when we're getting on, when we're contending together as one, one united family for the gospel. Isn't that so powerful? So who are these three persons, at least three persons, called Elohim? Who are the three persons of God? And how do they sort of relate to each other? Well, we're immediately introduced to one member of God in Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, aren't we? What do we read there? Genesis chapter 1, verse 2. Now the earth was formless and empty, darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering or vibrating over the waters. So one of the members of God is a spirit. God, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God. And then, in verse 3, God speaks for the very first time in the Bible. What do we read in verse 3 of Genesis chapter 1? And God said, let there be light, and there was light. So in Genesis chapter 1, verse 3, we have the voice of God, or the word of God. And what are we told about the word of God in Genesis chapter 15? I'd be impressed if any of us have reached chapter 15 already today as we're reading through Genesis in the month of March. But what do we read in Genesis chapter 15, verses 1 to 6? And what are we told about the word of God there? Genesis 15, 1 to 6. This is the word of God. After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Don't be afraid, Abram. I'm your shield and your very great reward. But Abram said, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless? And the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, You've given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him. This man will be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. He, so the word of the Lord, he took him outside and said, look up to the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he, the word of the Lord, said to him, so shall your offspring be. Abram believed the Lord, and he credited it to him as righteousness. Isn't that just so exciting? The word of the Lord is a person, according to Genesis chapter 15. And John's gospel also tells us that the word of God is a person. And John's gospel tells us explicitly who that person is, doesn't it? What do we read in John chapter 1? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning, 
Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. And then what do we read in verses 14 to uh, 17 then? The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified him, testified concerning him. He cried out saying, this is the one I spoke about when I said, he who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Out of his fullness, we have all received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the word of God, the eternal word of God. Isn't that just so tremendously exciting? It's the word of God is a person, the Lord Jesus Christ. And I think it's so important for us to remember who Jesus is, to remember exactly who Jesus is. Jesus isn't someone who came into existence 2,000 years ago as a baby in Bethlehem, is he? No, Jesus has always existed. Jesus is God. And John's gospel tells us that the world was made through Jesus. What do we read in John chapter 1 verse 10? He, that's Jesus, was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. And the book of Colossians tells us that everything was created through Jesus and for Jesus. What do we read in Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 to 17? And everything is held together by Jesus, we're told. In Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 to 17. So the Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in Jesus all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through Jesus and for Jesus. Jesus is before all things, and in Jesus, all things hold together. And then the last one, the book of Hebrews tells us that the universe was made through Jesus, and Jesus keeps everything going. What do we read in Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 to 3? In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times, and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom he made the universe. The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. So God the Father created the universe through Jesus. So we're told, aren't we, in Hebrews and Colossians, who the members of God are, Father and Son, the Father creating the universe through Jesus. 
I don't know about you, but when you read those verses, don't you think, wow, Jesus is awesome. Isn't Jesus awesome? Jesus is God. He's God Almighty, he's eternal, and he's creator and sustainer. And can I just stop for a moment and ask you the question, do you know Jesus this morning, this Jesus? Jesus who is God and creator. If not, if you think, I'm not sure if I know this Jesus who is God and creator. I pray that you'll come to know him this morning. Let's go back to Genesis chapter 1 and read verses 3 to 5. What do we read there? Genesis 1 verses 3 to 5. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness he called night. And there was evening and there was morning the first day. The first day of creation. And I don't know about you, but do you think, why on earth did God spend a whole day just on the creation of light? Why did God spend a whole day just on the creation of light? And why was it so important for God to separate the light from the darkness? Well, I believe God spent a whole day just on the creation of light and separating light and darkness because there's a powerful gospel message in there for us on the very first day of creation. A powerful gospel message, isn't there? What did Jesus, what did the Lord Jesus say to Saul of Tarsus on the road to Damascus? What do we read in Acts chapter 26 and the second half of verse 17 and the first half of verse 18? So Jesus said to Saul of Tarsus, I'm sending you to them, the Gentiles, to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God. So in the Bible, what does darkness represent? Darkness represents Satan, evil, and sin. And what does light represent in the Bible? Well, God and goodness and purity. And what do we read in John chapter 3, verses 19 to 21? About the light and the darkness. John chapter 3, verses 19 to 21. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. Then the question is, how could there be light How could there be light on the first day of creation when the source of light, the sun, the moon, and the stars, wasn't created until day four? Isn't that a bit confusing? What's that about? What do we read in Genesis 1, verses 14 to 19? So this is day four of creation. And God said, let there be lights in the vault of the sky to separate the day from the night. 
and let them serve as signs to mark secret times and days and years. And let them be lights in the vault of the sky to give light on the earth. And it was so. God made two great lights, the greater light to govern the day, that's the sun, and the lesser light to govern the night, that's the moon. He also made the stars. I love that. <laughs> Just that sentence. He also made the stars. Oh, by the way, he also made like trillions of stars. Well, it's more than trillions. What's bigger than a trillion, uh, Joel? Is it? Quadrillion. Yeah? He also, there's probably even more than quadrillion tr- stars, isn't there? Oh, yeah, he also made that. You know, all the galaxies, isn't it? He also made the stars. God set them in the vault of the sky to give light on the earth, to govern the day and the night, and to separate light from darkness. And God saw that it was good, and there was evening, and there was morning, the fourth day. So how could there be light on day one if the source of light, sun, moon, and stars, wasn't created until day four? Well, it's interesting to look at the literal translation of Genesis chapter 1, verse 3. The literal translation from the original Hebrew to English, the literal translation. This is very exciting. Genesis chapter 1, verse 3. This is the literal translation. And he is saying, Elohim, he shall become light. And he is becoming light. Isn't that fascinating? So in a way, let there be light in Genesis chapter 1 verse 3. It's quite a bad translation. In a way, Genesis chapter 1 verse 3 should be, let him be light. (laughs) So the light shining in the darkness in Genesis chapter 1 verse 3 is a person. And you're like, yeah, obviously. I know you all know that. Yeah, the light shining in the darkness is in Genesis chapter 1, verse 3, is a person. And we all know who that person is, don't we? What do we read in John chapter 8, verse 12? Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And how does each day of creation end? How does each day of creation end? Let's have a look at the example of the second half of verse 5 in Genesis chapter 1. How does each day of creation end? And there was evening and there was morning the first day. That's a bit confusing as well, isn't it? Evening, morning, the first day. So why did God define the day as evening to morning rather than from morning to evening? Because what what do we say? We say, well, at the end of the day, it gets dark, isn't it? We don't say, at the end of the day, it is morning. (laughs) Because technically, our day starts at midnight when it's dark. So Sunday started at midnight, didn't it, this morning? And when will Sunday end? At midnight tonight, isn't it, when it's dark? So we start our day in darkness, and we end our day in darkness. So how depressing is that? It's just so pagan, isn't it? Start in darkness, end in darkness. It's almost as if God is saying, I'm having none of that. That nonsense. 
The Bible says that darkness is always overcome by the light, isn't it? Not the light overcome by darkness. That's what we read in John 1 verse 5, isn't it? What do we read in John chapter 1 verse 5? The light shines in the darkness. And the darkness has not overcome it. And how was the darkness, the devil, evil, and sin defeated? How was the darkness, Satan, evil, and sin defeated? The darkness was defeated by the light of the world, the Lord Jesus Christ, by his sacrificial death for our sins on the cross, and by his powerful resurrection, isn't it? Now, the Bible, especially the Psalms, associates the night as a time of testing. Have you ever noticed that, picked that up? The Bible associating the night time as a time of testing, especially in the Psalms. Let's just have a look at maybe two of them. What do we read in Psalm 77, verse 2? When I was in distress, I sought the Lord at night, I stretched out untiring hands and I would not be comforted. So the night time is almost like a time of testing, isn't it? Um, for some reason, I woke up at three this morning. I was wide awake. It was quite windy last night. I think it was the noise of the wind. But has that ever happened to you when you're wide awake at night? And then all sorts of weird stuff starts going through your mind, especially if you're wide awake, isn't it? And it's hard and the night is long. Have you ever heard someone say, oh, I couldn't wait for the day to come, for the light to come? The night was long. It was a testing time. But the morning is a time of security, isn't it? It's meant to be a time of joy. What do we read in Psalm 30, verse 5? For his anger lasts only a moment, but his favor lasts a lifetime. Weeping may remain for a night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. Isn't that wonderful? Psalm 30, verse 5. So when we are distressed and sad, what do we need? What do we need when we're distressed and sad? Well, we need the light of the world, don't we? We need the Lord Jesus Christ. And you're like, well, where do I find him? Yeah, I desperately need Jesus. I am distressed. I am sad. I need Jesus, the light of the world. Where can I find him? Well, Jesus lives in his church, doesn't he? He walks among his people. That's what we read in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 16, isn't it? What do we read in 2 Corinthians chapter 6? The Apostle Paul, writing to the local church at Corinth, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. For we are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will live with them and walk among them. I will be their God and they will be my people. And we also meet Jesus in his word, don't we? The holy, pure, written word. Jesus walks out to meet us from every page of scripture. Isn't that wonderful? Well, to close, let's have a look at verse 2 one more time. I think verse 2 needs a bit more attention, doesn't it? Because Genesis chapter 1 verse 2 is a curious verse, isn't it? 
What do we read there? Genesis chapter 1, verse 2. Now, the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. It's a curious verse, isn't it? Why was the earth formless or chaotic, more literal? Why was the earth chaotic, empty, and dark? For a brief time before the word of God and the light of the world was revealed in Genesis chapter 1, verse 3. You know, why would God create in such a way? Well, again, I believe there's a powerful gospel message in Genesis chapter 1, verse 2. So formless or chaotic, empty and dark is a good description of someone who isn't trusting in Jesus. Do you think so? Chaotic, empty and dark. A good description of someone who's lost, who doesn't know Jesus. Do you think so? Lots of people say it, doesn't it? Oh, I just feel as if my life is chaos. I feel formless. I feel ugly on the inside and on the outside. I feel empty. Have you heard of people saying, oh, I just feel spent and empty, isn't it? I feel as if I'm living in darkness. But the good news is God is in the business of turning chaos into order, isn't he? That's what we see in Genesis chapter 1, God turning chaos into order. When you look at the creation, it wasn't just all random. Did God say, oh, what shall I make next? It is just perfectly ordered, beautiful, and good, isn't it? When you look at the creation, what was created on day one? Light. And then what was created on day four? The lights, sun, moon, and stars. And then day two, the water and the air. And then day five, the animals of the water, sort of fish, and the animals of the air, the birds. And then on day three, God created the dry land. And then on day six, the animals of the dry land. Can you see that? It's like a mirror, isn't it? It's symmetrical. How orderly and beautiful God created the heavens and the earth. God is in the business of turning chaos into order. And God is also in the business of turning something that's empty into something that's full and fulfilled. And God is in the business of turning darkness into light and life and goodness. Because that's another phrase we read in Genesis chapter 1. It is good, 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 it is good. It is very good. So maybe this morning, if you're feeling as if your life is in chaos, God can bring about order to your life, can't he? And if you're feeling empty this morning, God can fill you. God can give you fulfillment. So why not turn away from the chaos, emptiness, and darkness of sin and turn to the light of the world, the Lord Jesus Christ? Turn to him. Trust in him. 
trust in who he is. We've seen this morning who Jesus is. Who is Jesus? Jesus is God Almighty. He is the eternal Son of God who is the Almighty Creator, isn't he? And trusting what he's done, he lived the perfect life, the righteous life for us, didn't he? He took the punishment for sinners on the cross. And he rose powerfully and victoriously from the dead. Will you come to him? Will you trust in him again and again and worship him today?